You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning. This is the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Lucas. I'm a land surveyor and attorney at law. We'll spend the next hour talking about land surveying and land surveyors. As always, your questions and comments are welcome. You can send them to Jeff at AmericasWebRadio.com. And you can find out more about me on my personal website, www.lucasandcompany.com. Okay, um, well, um, this is uh, the last show of the year, and we certainly hope that um, you had a very nice Christmas, very Merry Christmas. And we are certainly, uh, on this end, we're praying for a better 2021. Uh, better than uh, 2020 was, that's for sure. So um, let's hope for that. And uh, we'll get back to um, to what we were talk- we've been talking about over the last uh, couple of episodes um, to kind of wrap this year up. Um, I wanted to um, kind of step through a program that I have that's called uh, a new practice model. And uh, we've been doing that. Uh, for the last um, last two episodes, and I want to try to wrap it up here today, so I'll, I won't get to uh, try not to get too long winded or go down too many rabbit trails. Uh, necessarily to talk about a uh, new practice model for land, and what I mean by new practice model is a new um, a new mo modus operandi, a new uh, a new way of doing business. And um, <clears throat> one of the reasons for uh, talking about this is the way surveying is practiced today isn't the same way that it was practiced uh, prior to uh, Curtis Brown coming along and uh, trying to uh, simplify the process of surveying, turn it into a, uh, a math and measurement task as opposed to an evidentiary exercise. And if we go back and we look at uh, some of what I'll call the patriarchs of surveying. Uh, we know what they did through some writings, um, uh, certain writings that they published. Uh, <clears throat> a guy by the name of A.Z. Enos in uh, Illinois uh, wrote a little treatise in the late 1800s uh, talking about the way surveying was practiced um, back in his time. And it wasn't, it wasn't like, as Brown described it, and we've discussed on many occasions simply state the client's deed and leave the and leave the train wreck for others to um, for others to fix, which is uh, part of the um, the uh, current practice model. The bro- what I'll call the broken practice model. We can also look at early writings of uh, 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 Frank Emerson Clark, who was not a surveyor; he was a title attorney, and uh, his his. Um, his, his most notable book, uh, Clark on Surveying and Boundaries, uh, was taken over by others um, decades ago and has become what I would call adulterated. But there are some earlier writings, his earlier editions of that book, Clark on Surveying and Boundaries. And also he did a little treatise called The Fundamentals of Surveying, The Fundamentals of Laws for Surveyors. Uh, he did that little treatise in 1939, and he was describing a different way of practicing. Uh, A.C. Mulford, uh, who wrote uh, a little book, a little treatise called, uh, <clears throat> let me see if I can find it over here on my bookshelf. It's called Landmarks and Boundaries, I believe, copyright 1912. 
um, where is that book? Uh, it's a little book. It's not uh, not very thick at all. Boundaries and Landmarks by Mulford. Um, I'll call it a treatise as opposed to a book. It only has 89 pages. And he described uh, surveying completely different than uh, the surveying practice of the day was completely different than uh, the way we uh, seem to practice it today, although I'm hopeful that some are abandoning the current practice model because it's not doing uh, us any good. Also, um, Hodgman out of Michigan, and I'm looking for Hodgman's book. Hodgman out of Michigan uh, wrote a book on um, sort of a surveying manual, but in it he has a chapter on... uh, the legal aspects of surveying, and he was out of Michigan, and the, uh, I'm not finding that book right at this moment, but uh, he, ah, here it is, Land Surveying, F. Hodgman. Uh, He was, uh, his copyright on his book is 1913, so obviously he was practicing uh, in the late 1800s as well, and he describes having meetings with uh, the landowners. Uh, both him and uh, Mulford, uh, Hodgman and Mulford, uh, describe in, in in some detail uh, actually what we would call today is arbitration. Uh, uh, not arbitration, uh, mediation. Uh, arbitration is, is different than mediation. Um, although they called themselves arbiters, uh, they were describing uh, what, what we consider today to be alternative dispute resolution. Uh, so they were solving people's problems before they ever went to court. And I, we probably have a few quotes out of these publications uh, that we're going to get to here in a little bit. Uh, but uh, and, and even more recent, uh, even more recent um, um, authors, columnists, uh, whatever you want to call them. Um, 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 let's see, Williams and Onsred, uh, what, they wrote a treatise in 19, uh, or actually, I guess it was an article for uh, the uh, American Bar Association's Real Property and Trust section, what every attorney should know about surveys. And uh, they talked about the same, same same type of issues, the surveyor being a, a type of a judge uh, and uh what I would consider to be an equity judge, not a law judge, because obviously surveyors cannot uh, pass, uh, uh, cannot um, um, determine what the law is. Uh, that's what the judge does when these things go go to court. Uh, but the surveyor certainly uh, has to be, just like any anyone walking down the street, any citizen in the United States of America, we all are charged with knowing and applying the law in every day in our everyday walk of life. Ignorante juris non excusit. Ignorance of the law is no excuse for anyone um, in the in the United States of America. Uh, any citizen, uh, any anyone walking our streets, um, ignorance of the law will be no excuse if you if you end up in court. Can you know all of the law? No, no one can know all of the law. Um, uh, in law school, uh, the, the goal was not to know all the all of the law. The goal was to be able to find the law uh, when it was necessary for you to do so, and then, of course, to properly interpret it. Um, I mean, 
you're charged if you're a licensed driver in the United States of America or any any given state. Uh, you are charged with knowing what the the rules of the road the the, the rules of the road are the law and applying uh, the law uh, to the factual situations that you encounter as you're driving down the road. I think I've probably done my stop sign analogy before, but uh, the stop sign analogy is the is the perfect, at least in my mind, the perfect analogy between the role of the surveyor uh, doing retracement work and uh, the role of the driver driving down the road. You're a licensed driver. You're driving down the road. You're a licensed surveyor. You are surveying down the property lines, or you're attempting to find uh, the property lines um, that, that have become established on the ground. And um, in the driving scenario, you come to a stop sign. So the legal question is, what is it? It's a stop sign. That's the legal question. What is it? That's it's a stop sign. The legal question in the boundary in the uh, boundary retracement scenario is what is it? It's the boundary line. It's the boundary line that's described in uh, the client's deed uh, in, in consideration of the surrounding circumstances, which could include the adjoiner's deed as well. Um, it's lot nine Garfunkel subdivision. That's what it is. That's the legal question. So, what do you do when you come to a stop sign? How do you apply the law at the stop sign? You're supposed to stop. You're supposed to know what the law says. It's a stop sign. And then you are to apply that to the facts in your scenario. You're driving down the road. You're coming to a stop sign. You now must apply the brakes. So um, in the uh, the analogy to boundary surveying is uh, the factual question is, in the stop sign analogy, did you stop? Or maybe uh, more appropriately, in, to uh, analogize this with the boundary uh, retracement scenario, where do you stop? Where do you stop when you come to a stop sign? And generally speaking, this, of course, we've all come up to stop signs that do not have stop bars, but generally speaking, there's a stop bar. There's an established boundary uh, that you as the driver are supposed to come up to and stop. Same situation with the retracement surveyor. There's an established boundary. The legal question is what is the property? The factual question is where do you stop? Where, where is the stop bar? Where is the boundary? It's the same question. You apply the law to the, to the facts and circumstances uh, all in order to determine where to stop. So that's the, that's the thumbnail sketch of the stop sign analogy. We've probably gone over that before. Uh, but anyway, uh, so we, we have to talk about the current practice model and the problems with it, which is what we did uh, two weeks ago, and that spilled over into last week, before we can talk about how to solve the problem. Uh, so we had just real quickly to recap, this, uh, the current practice model is the surveyor is simply an expert measurer. It's all about measurement and math. Stake out the client's deed as precisely as possible. Turn a blind eye to property rights. Ignore oral evidence. Uh, that is the evidence of the landowners uh, on the scene or others with information about the location of the property lines. Surveying is practiced as a belief system uh, and, and mythology. Uh, we discuss uh, that as well. 
Surveyor can only find problems, can't solve them. That's a big problem moving forward. We've got to be able to bring real solutions to people instead of just finding their problems. If all we can do is solve problems, eventually the surveyors become the problem. The surveyors are the problem. And then we leave the problem solving to the real professionals, attorneys, judges, uh, others. And surveying, we've turned it into a commodity, uh, not a professional uh, service, not a professional service. Okay. <clears throat> uh, the next, uh, the next sort of phase we went into here, uh, we we talked, we went over, or I started going over some fundamental principles of retracement surveying that you may or may not know, and we're gonna we're coming up on a break here, so uh, we'll pick up there after the break. And again, we're going to try to wrap this discussion up uh, this um, this uh, this episode. And we want to uh, from Parker Davis Quick Stakes. Want to wish everyone a happy new year, and uh, maybe all of us will feel like we're uh, resetting, restarting, and twenty twenty one will be the greatest year ever. And uh, you can still order your Quick Stakes today. And take them off in 2020 as opposed to waiting until 2021. That's 800-438-0387 and order your quick stakes today. You'll, if you haven't ever used them, at least call and order a sample and then, uh, order them and start using them. They're a lot better than the old hard wooden stakes that were so heavy and, uh, quick stakes do a better job, can be seen easier than a little piece of flag on a stake that May or may not get chewed off by a deer. Who knows? Anyway, uh, be sure and order them today. Get your order in now so you can take them off in 2020. We'll be back right after this. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not... Get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for Quick Stakes today. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we do thank you for listening and want everybody to have a very a great week. And uh, we'll just all be kissing 2020 goodbye and looking forward to uh, resetting in 2021. And let's get back to the man, Jeff. Uh, thank you, David. Yes, uh, we are all looking forward to uh, a new and hopefully prosperous 2021. All right. Um, so let's wrap this discussion up uh, in the next um, in the next three segments. Uh, where we sort of left last week was talking about ten principles of retracement surveying, which we may or may not know, and that's going to set the stage for talking about how we can change the practice model to one that is more beneficial to the landowners we serve uh, and to the land surveying profession as a whole. Because the, the, the current practice model is broken, it's not sustainable. Uh, eventually, if that's all we can do, if all we can do is uh, stake out the deed and uh, put the math on the ground, 
what are we doing in dirt space that can't be done in paper space? And I mean GIS, um, geographic information systems. They're in almost every county courthouse across the country at this point in time. They're doing the mapping for the tax assessor. Um, what are we doing in dirt space that can't be done in paper space for pennies on the dollar? Absolutely nothing. And uh, you surveyors out there, I know, I know what the, the slogan is: GIS, get it surveyed. You can say that until you are blue in the face. The reality is today, n- nobody cares about the truth. No, nobody. Uh, just turn on the TV and watch the news. Nobody gives a rat's about the truth. The only thing anybody um, gives uh, cares about is their own perception of the truth. And this is as, as true in, in politics as it is uh, when it comes to um, when it comes to geographic information systems and versus a survey. Uh, get it sur- that's what surveyors say GIS stands for get it survey. That's 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 true. Uh, the landowner should get uh, get their property surveyed and not depend on a on the county tax map uh, created in the in the county's GIS system, GIS uh, computers uh, database. Um, but when the perception is when the perception is that a GIS map is as good as a survey, then it will be. That is just the way things. Um, the way things are going uh, in this politically charged environment that this country finds itself in. It, it, nobody cares what the truth is. They only care about their own perception of the truth and what they feel the truth is, and then that's the truth for them. And so when the perception is a GIS map is as good as a survey, it will be. It will be. It will be for this simple fact. Um, if they think that a GIS map is as good as a survey, they're not going to call the surveyor up. They're just going to go get their GIS map. They're going to ignore all the disclaimers on the GIS map because it's got a nice photo, uh, air, uh, aerial photo, uh, photography. It's got uh, supplied by uh, by Google uh, aerial photography, and they, their, their property line and the, the, the purpose of the tax maps is to put property lines uh, on their on the tax maps so that they can send you a tax bill. It's all about the money. And they'll disclaim those. They, they do disclaim those. I, I've never seen um, um, uh, a tax assessor's map that didn't have a disclaimer on it of some sort. Or when you're down there picking up a copy, they, they stamp something on the, on the paper copy. And, and any more these days, you can access the county's GIS system from your computer desktop. And so there you have it. You can turn the aerial photography on and off. Uh, you can turn it on. You can print off maps. Uh, if they've got your, all your property lines on there, are they correct? May, um, they might be somewhat correct, but tax maps, as all surveyors should know, are, um, are notoriously inaccurate. Landowners don't know that. Landowners don't know that. So when the, the aerial photography is superimposed over the uh, the tax map that has all the property lines on it, then they can, <clears throat> why do I need a surveyor? I can see right now where my property lines are relative to, uh, you know, to my, uh, to my house and my driveway and fences. And so this is where there's going to be some problems because they're going to, 
landowners are going to see my, you know, my next door neighbor's fence is on my property. That's because the uh, geo-referencing of the uh, aerial photography from Google isn't 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 perfect. It's off a little bit, or it's off a lot, or it's off a lot. Better off a lot than a little, because if it's off just a little, then people think that there's a problem with the fence. There's a problem with the next door neighbor's fence. Maybe they're trying to find to run into these situations. Uh, through through telephone calls and people asking, people inquiring, um, and, and there's even some lawsuits out there now uh, fighting over the boundary lines based on the GIS maps. Uh, so that's that's all happening. That's all happening right now. Um, so if the land surveying profession is going to survive, as we know it, as we know as we know it right now, the land surveying profession, the only reason we're licensed as land surveyors, which is the protection of the uh, of the property rights of the people of whatever state you're licensed in. Land surveyors are the only people licensed and sanctioned by the state in the first instance, before there's a lawsuit, before there's a judge that has uh, that has um, subject matter jurisdiction and in personam jurisdiction over the parties, and then the judge can determine uh, where those property lines are located on the ground, but not until then. Until then, the only people licensed and sanctioned by the state to do that work is the licensed land surveyor. So the question is, moving forward, the question for the surveyors is, are you doing that job? Are you locating People where people's uh, where their property lines have become established on the ground, and when you do that, <clears throat> a well reasoned opinion on the only question you have, Mister Surveyor, you don't have the legal question. What is it? It's a stop sign. You've got to know the legal question. It's Lot Nine Garfunkel Subdivision. You have to apply the law of boundaries to your. The determination of where those property lines are located on the ground. And when you have done that, Mr. Surveyor, when you have rendered a, when you, this is an evidentiary, retracement surveying, retracement surveying is an evidentiary exercise. It's not a math and measurement problem. Uh, when you have done that, you have done nothing less than identify the limits of ownership. You've done nothing when you've applied the appropriate boundary law principles to the facts on the ground, facts and circumstances as you find them on the ground. You accept those monuments. It's Lot 9 of Garfunkel Subdivision. The subdivision was monumented. You accept those monuments. Lots are supposed to be 100 feet wide and 150 feet deep. They're not 100 feet wide. They're not 150 feet deep, at least not precisely. But you hold, you hold those monuments, those original monuments that were set and relied upon and where the property rights attach, then it doesn't matter if, if that lot is 95 feet wide and uh, 145 feet deep. In actuality, on the ground, what the property is will not change. When you accept that monumentation that represents the true and correct corners, you've done nothing less than to, uh, than to identify the limits of the ownership. And the ownership... Platt says it's supposed to be 100 feet wide. It's not 100 feet wide. It's 95 feet wide. It's not 150 feet deep. It's 145 feet deep. 
that's that's somewhat irrelevant uh, because the measurements always uh, and that this is a rebuttable presumption. We've talked about presumptions and inferences before. The rebuttable presumption is the, uh, but it is the law going in, um, is that the monuments, uh, that the measurements give way to the monuments. <clears throat> and that is why when the surveyor has r- rendered a well-reasoned opinion uh, on where the property is located on the ground, that is nothing less than an opinion on the limits of ownership. And that, that's another point that just um, surveyors still uh, can't get uh, into their into their mind, can't wrap their idea around. And I, I even see I haven't seen one in a while. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I don't I don't read um, some of the other uh, surveying magazines other than POB, the one I write for. I know I should be just to expand my horizons, but I still every now and then see someone um, writing an article about how surveyors uh, do not determine ownership. And that could be for a different couple of different reasons. One, surveyors do not determine ownership. But as a result of, number one, it doesn't really matter who owns the property uh, from a boundary determination standpoint. Who owns the property is irrelevant. So, um, yes, surveyors do not determine who owns what. But survey as a result of a properly conducted uh, retracement and a well, and then a gathering and evaluation of the evidence, and then a rendering a well-reasoned opinion, applying the appropriate boundary law principles. The surveyor, in essence, as a result of the survey, has identified the limits of that ownership. Whoever owns that property, so yes, surveyors do determine the limits of ownership, but some don't because they're not actually doing a retracement survey. They're driving pins in the ground uh, to match the the geometry or the dimensions in the deed. And that's not a determination of ownership. That's that's a what we call a cluster. And that's one of the reasons why uh, that's one of the reasons why um, uh, surveying has um, has been turned into a commodity, and people don't trust us anymore. They don't trust us because they're afraid we're going to tell them uh, that their property corners that they have on the ground right now um, aren't good or that they need to move fences. And that's a problem moving forward. That's the reason why we're talking about this subject today is to um, paint a picture of a new of a new practice model. And we're going to take a break here in about 30 seconds, so... Uh, I'm going to try to uh, I'm going to try to move forward on a couple more of these principles, and then we want to we're going to get into uh, uh, outlining or thumbnail giving a thumbnail sketch of a new practice model. Okay, folks, we'll be back uh, after this break. And we will be back after this break. I want to remind everybody this show is brought to you by Parker Davis Quick Stakes, and they also have markers that are second to none. Everybody loves their markers. Go to uh, www.quickstake.com, Q-U-I-K-stake, S-T-A-K-E, dot com, and take a look at all they've got. They've got a number of other things that uh, I'm sure you'd be interested in. And also, want to remind you, get that order in now, and you can write it off in 2020. With that being said, I want to take just a second to remind everybody to go vote. 
if you're living in Georgia, this election can keep us from socialism and or communism in the future. And I'm serious as a heartbeat. Uh, the two Democrats want nothing more than to turn the United States into a socialistic country. And we just can't afford that. They, and the Reverend Warnock, I don't see how he calls himself a reverend when he believes in killing babies. And um, he's the biggest bunch of bull to call himself a reverend and then want to go out and kill babies with pro-choice. So please get out and vote and... Uh, we're going to have some other folks encouraging you to do the same. So it is vitally important. You're listening to America's Web Radio, and we're going to get back to Jeff right now. Okay. Uh, welcome back. Thanks, David. Okay. Uh, we, um, I've been long-winded enough about the problems. Let's, let's get to some solutions. Last, uh, we've talked about, um, uh, and we're going to talk about 10 things, 10 principles of retracement surveying, which you may or may not know. I'm going to skip over the ones we've been over uh, on this program on several occasions. You're either an original surveyor or following surveyor. That's just, that is just the fundamental uh, principles of surveying. You're either an original survey when it comes to property boundaries, when it comes to the core issue of surveying, surveyors can do a lot of different things. Uh, Everybody's excited about drones. Surveyors are getting into drones. That's fine. Uh, <clears throat> that's just a tool. Uh, it, it, it was it was GPS uh, 20, 30 years ago. Everybody was getting into GPS. GPS is just a tool. Um, uh, <clears throat> remotes, other remote sensing devices like uh, LIDAR, aerial LIDAR, stationary LIDAR, these are just tools. Anybody can use the tools. Uh, there is no monopoly on the tools. Um, you cannot regulate who can use the tools. Anybody with the wherewithal, the money, uh, the time, and the drive can buy themselves a drone, uh, get themselves a uh, FAA certificate to fly that drone, uh, pack that drone with um, uh, with remote sensing um, uh, devices, um, uh, photography, um, light, lidar, whatever they can pack on that thing, and they can go out and collect data, spatial data, and then <clears throat> there's not no law as long as there uh, there's a willing buyer. There's no law that says they can't uh, manipulate that data. Um, that spatial data, put it in some usable form, uh, and sell it to a willing buyer. Um, uh, there's there's no stopping uh, anyone from doing that, uh, and they, they are they are doing that. Non-surveyor types are um, gathering, evaluating, um, manipulating, and producing spatial data uh, uh, spatial data uh, into other usable forms that. Um, uh, others, you know, in a free enterprise uh, country, at least for now, uh, as David's pointed out, uh, sell that um, sell that information to a willing buyer. Um, 
Google right now. Uh, <clears throat> uh, the manipulation and uh, um, um, uh, of spatial data is 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 so cheap. I mean, it is the ultimate commodity. It's so cheap. It's free. Google's doing it right now. <clears throat> Go, uh, you, all you need is to do is go to a public library, get on Google Earth, and you and you have spatial data. You have aerial photography. You have um, you can uh, derive distances from it. You can derive elevations from it. Uh, you've got spatial data, and not only that, you can go down to man on the street, where Google has driven down our streets, our public streets and, and byways and highways, and <clears throat> you can see just what the property looks, just what property look like. It looks like in the terrain, the, the whole nine yards, without ever leaving uh, leaving your uh, computer monitor, and uh, so and that's absolutely free. Um, but you don't even have to own a computer. All you need is a library card, and if you're so poor you can't buy get a library card, I think they give them away to you. So you can go down to the public library, and you can. <clears throat> that is the ultimate. We've talked about last week. We were talking about what's a commodity. What's the hallmark of a commodity? The hallmark of, as opposed to a professional services, the hallmark of a commodity is the service provider is totally irrelevant. The only thing that's relevant is the price. So if a surveyor is going to charge me for uh, spatial data, um, well, you know, <clears throat> all spatial data is equal to me. GIS is as good as a survey, so I'm just going to go get the GIS map. Um, and I'm going to cut the surveyor out because the surveyor's just charging me. The surveyor's ripping me off by wanting to charge me for for uh, uh, spatial data information. And that's just what a boundary survey is: is spatial data information. It is um, where are the property lines in relation to uh, where they're supposed to be on the ground, uh, according to the title documents and uh, my occupation, my house, my farm, my uh, 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 my uh, my fence lines, etc., uh, etc. Et it's just uh, this just spatial data that's produced into a map form, generally uh, generally a, a two dimensional map um, that gives uh, spatial relations between uh, between certain uh, identified points. <coughs> so that's that's all a boundary survey is. Um, so you're either an original. There's only two fundamental principles of surveying: you're either an original surveyor or you're a retracing surveyor. Original surveyor laying out brand new lines for the very first time. Retracement surveyor uh, is finding where the lines have become established on the ground already. And herein lies a big problem for the land surveying profession moving forward. It's called the first surveyor concept, and this is pure surveyor. Uh, mythology. This is practicing mythology here. Uh, what happened here was, uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time on the, the details of the case, but what happened was, um, so we have two fundamental principles surveying. I'm an original surveyor laying out brand new lines for the very first time for a common grantor. That's a math and measurement task. Or I'm a retracement surveyor, and my only function is to find where the lines have become established on the, on, on the ground sometimes referred to as following in the footsteps of the original surveyor. But not every piece of property in the United States has been has an original survey in front of it, or at least not conducted by a surveyor. 
the landowners themselves may have laid out uh, the property lines. And when their bona fide rights attached, then those are the property those are the property lines. So the survey, the, the 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 true in the true sense of the word, retracement surveying is finding where the lines have already become established on the ground, under the law and equity. That's retracement surveying. That's the only reason society needs us. Where are the property lines? Where are the pro- we know what the deed says? We know what GIS says, but that's not the question. Where are the true and correct property lines. That's the question. Well, s- surveyors didn't like that. And, and this is in the era, in, the, in what I'll call the brown era, from a, era, or could be error as well, uh, from the uh, early 1960s to, uh, I'm going to say, um, 10, 20 years ago, the, the the idea was that uh, we don't have to do all that retracement survey work. We don't have to do all, that. That stuff's too hard. Just go stake the client's deed. Now then, but that created a problem. That created a problem. Well, if I if I'm staking the client's deed and not really finding where the lines have become established on the ground, now I've got. I'm not. That's not an original survey. Because in order to be an original survey, uh, I'm setting brand new lines on, on the ground where they have never, ever existed before and driving new pins in the ground. So that's, that's – but it can't be an original survey because I don't have unity of ownership. The next door – I'm not doing a new subdivision. All the neighbors surrounding my client aren't joining in to reconstitute the location of their property lines. So I can't call it an original survey, um, but I'm really not doing a retracement. So what am I doing? Well, um, they came up with the surveyors, and I, we can tell you, you'll know who uh, shortly, I think, uh, came up with this first surveyor concept. And here's how that goes. You're either an original surveyor, and this and, and this especially manifests itself at the center of a section, one mile square. Um, we t- I think we were talking about this last week when the show was about over. One mile square, uh, eighty chain square, typically supposed to be in theory, standard section was uh, one mile square. They set the four corners of that square, and then they set what are called quarter corners. Uh, Halfway and in between each section on the north, south, east, and west lines, those are called the quarter corners. In legal contemplation, however, and, and if, well, let me back up. If you do what we call the sign of the cross, run a straight east-west line between the opposing quarter section corners, run a straight north-south line between the opposing north, north and south quarter corners. I call it the sign of the cross. You come with an to an intersection. And that's how you're supposed to do it, supposedly. That's how you're supposed to do it. You come to an intersection point, and that's called the center quarter. That breaks the section down into four um, quarters. Well, you got to take those quarters and break them down again into four more quarters, uh, or, or what you would call, considering the entire section, sixteenths or 40-acre tracks are uh, quarters of a quarter, uh, that that uh, if when you do that, that uh, gives you six 
16 what we'll call lots in the typical section. And those, uh, those quarter quarters are considered by the Bureau of Land Management to be the smallest administrative unit, uh, other than a lot, a fractional lot or something that might be created. But in a standard section where we're doing, where we're breaking it down into its aliquot parts, there are 16 lots contemplated in law. Nominally, they would be uh, their quarter, a quarter of a quarter. Sometimes um, uh, referred to as forties. You probably have heard that term before. Uh, hey, go plow the north forty, right? Well, they're talking about a quarter of a quarter. And there are twenty-five. If you draw that out and count how many corners, intersecting lines you have that create corners, there's uh, there's twenty-five of those. Well, the federal government only set. Eight of them. That means 17 remain unset. And so <clears throat> this first surveyor concept uh, really, um, the, the rubber meets the road, or it, it gets a lot of traction, a lot of attention at that center quarter, that first breakdown of the section into four quadrants, into four uh, quarter uh, quarters of that section. And here's how it goes. The, the first surveyor to set that center quarter will be considered to be the original surveyor surveyor for that monument, that center quarter, under two, one or two conditions, maybe, maybe both. Followed proper procedure, did the sign of the cross, or was close enough. And if, it, if that surveyor wasn't close enough or didn't follow proper procedure, then the surveyor can be jettisoned kicked out as a bum he was merely a first surveyor because he didn't do it right and therefore um doesn't need to be honored and the only problem with that is it completely ignores the most important people in the entire equation and that's the landowners and not only that is it is against federal law and uh it's against federal law and that's what we're going to go over um when we get back uh, from our break we're going to look at the the case and uh, that 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 spawned this um, uh, aberrant uh, concept of first surveyor, and then we're going to see how that case was wrong. Um, I'm thinking it's about time. Are we about are we coming up on a break. <clears throat> okay, we're going to break now. See you after uh, this. Quick stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com. That's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. And again, I'm pleading with you to go out. If you're in Georgia, go out and vote. This is, uh, <laughs> this is do or die time, folks. Um, we can't let the Democrats hold both the White House and both houses of Congress. We have to have some kind of checks and balance, and the only way we'll have it is if we continue to control the Senate. So get out today, tomorrow, before the 5th of January, and vote. 
it is so important that you take this opportunity and vote. With that being said, also give Parker Davis a call, 1-800-438-0387, and order your quick stakes today. That way you can write them off in 2020 and not have to wait until 2021. You can expense them now and use them next year. So with that being said, let's uh, return to Jeff and finish the story. All right. Thank you, David, and uh, welcome back. Uh, obviously, folks, I'm not going to wrap this up this um, this episode because um, I want to I want to finish talking about this first survey of air concept, which is a huge problem. Uh, for the land surveying profession. And here's where it's uh, articulated. And, and again, the first sur- surveyor concept being there's another type of surveyor. There's an original surveyor working for a common grantor. That's a math and measurement task. There's an original uh, 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 retracement surveyor finding where the lines have become established on the ground. And then there's this other guy or gal who isn't either a, an original surveyor or a retracement surveyor, he's the one who didn't follow proper procedure and therefore doesn't have to be honored or didn't do uh, follow proper procedure or didn't get close enough. So this this bomb can be kicked out. So this gives us uh, <clears throat> this gives us cover for not doing a retracement survey. So if you go out, let's just put this in a subdivision context. Uh, what I was talking about before, Garfunkel subdivision, okay? Uh, the lots were all laid out at some point in time. Uh, we're gonna, just, let's take it back, uh, in the night, it was done in the 1950s, okay? And, um, the lots are all supposed to, uh, were 100 feet wide by 150 feet long, deep. And, um, the surveyor had a, had a, had a chain, a 200 foot chain that was five feet short, didn't know it. The entire subdivision got laid out. Uh, with those lots that were supposed to be 100 feet wide, they were all 95 feet wide. So to be in 150 feet deep, they're all 145 feet deep. So um, that that guy who laid out, you would presume it would, would be a guy back in the 1950s or 60s, that surveyor is not the original surveyor, even though that's the surveyor who did the plat and laid it all out can't be the original surveyor because he didn't get it right. Uh, the lots are not 100 feet wide and they're not 150 feet deep. So this, this bum can be kicked out and now uh, I can come in. He was just the first surveyor and didn't get it right, so therefore he's a bum. doesn't matter what the people think. So now I'm going to go out there because I am a deed staker, which was what Brown advocated, uh, and I'm going to set things right. Uh, so I find a starting point somewhere. You got to have a starting point. You got to start somewhere, and I'm going to lay that lot out 100 feet wide and 150 feet deep. The only problem is, uh, you know, now everybody on all sides of me is uh, uh, all sides of my uh, property I'm surveying. They're now all encroaching, but that doesn't matter. That's how the first survey uh, surveyor concept works, and so it, it happens at the center quarter. You go to the center quarter. You're working in a section. You're, do, you're, you're surveying, a, let's just say you're surveying a 40-acre track, a quarter of a quarter. You're surveying the northwest quarter of the southeast quarter uh, of the section. Uh, that implicates the center corner. The center corner. In fact, the center corner is one of your corners. 
<clears throat> so now with GPS, of course, I can go, I can go pop the quarter sections uh, on the east and west boundaries of the of pop by me pop them time in with my GPS on the east and west boundaries of the section. I'll go to the north and south boundaries of the section, find some locally accepted quarter corner up there. It does I don't I don't have to prove anything relative to uh, original positioning. That's never discussed, <clears throat> and that never happens in most cases. Uh, nobody's finding the original uh, corner positions that they can prove. Um, <clears throat> in some cases, I guess. That, so that's a little bit of hyperbole. But here in the southeast, nobody's finding the original section corner. So they're going to, and finding locally accepted quarter corners at the uh, uh, north and south and east and west. And now they're doing a mathematical sign of the cross. They're, they're calculating the intersection of those two lines. And lo and behold, the monument that was sitting out, that's sitting out there that everybody uh, is in love with, everybody likes, and everybody uh, accepts, the fences are all going to it. It's, uh, it's 70 feet off. It's 70 feet off. Obviously, whoever set that monument, in most cases, especially down here in the southeast and, and other areas of the country, we don't know who that person was. There's no record of it. All we know is that the monument isn't uh, at the sign of the cross. All we know is the monument isn't close enough. Uh, if and sometimes when we Dykes versus Arnold, Oregon case. Sometimes if we know we do know who said it, we know that they didn't follow proper procedure. So that guy's a bum, and so he has to be kicked out. Um, and and that new center that center quarter has to be set following proper procedure, the sign of the cross. Um, For you landowners who are out there listening to this, you're probably thinking to yourself, how in the world can surveyors be so stupid? Um, If you're a surveyor out there, you're either in one of two camps. You're like, yeah, that's that's how you do it, or no, that's totally idiotic, because who's left out of the equation? It, this is this is so so narcissistic. Uh, it, it, it's basically saying only what the surveyor matters. Only what the surveyor does matters. It totally ignores the, the property owners who've been there on that center quarter for twenty, thirty, forty years, accepted it, made their improvements to it, have glommed onto it, have blessed that monument. Their property rights have attached to those lines. And now the first surveyor concept says you go out there and if, if proper procedure wasn't followed, then now you, you've got to set a new center quarter. It's, it's, in, it's insane. And it doesn't, the, the ruling was, this was in Rivers versus Lazia. Not only does it not make common sense, not only is it insane, not only is it narcissistic on the part of the surveyors, not only is it uh, does it totally ignore the property rights of the people on the ground, it doesn't comport with federal law. So here it is. I believe this is the first articulation, and I can't tell you which edition it came in, but it's in Evidence and Procedures for Boundary Control for boundary uh, location. I- I'm just quoting from the fifth edition. It's still in the sixth edition. And I, it, I don't know exactly when it showed up, but it couldn't have showed up before the case, Rivers versus Lazio, which was uh, in the night, either 1983 or 1988. 
so it couldn't have been in the publication before the case came out, uh, which was a, uh, a Florida, uh, it was a Florida, uh, district court case, um, decided by, uh, Judge, uh, Cowart, Cowart. Uh, so anyway, I'll just read, I'm gonna read to you from Evidence and Procedures. This is, um, sixth, fifth edition on page 310. When a parcel or parcels are created on paper, Without a survey being conducted, that's your that is your um, breakdown of a of a standard section. Uh, only the only the eight corners around the perimeter were set um, at the at the four corners, and then at the quarter corners, there are six. However, there are sixteen lots. There are twenty five total corners. Seventeen of them were never set; they were just drawn on a piece of paper. And the surveyors later requested to place one of these paper-described parcels on the ground. This survey should be considered the first survey in that it is the first survey to be placed on the ground after the description. <clears throat> the difference is that whereas the original survey controls, the first survey is nothing more than an opinion by the surveyor of where the written description should be placed. As such, it is always open to collateral tax. And of course, uh, this idea right here. Uh, so, if the first surveyor isn't the original, going to the center quarter isn't the original surveyor, can't be honored as the original surveyor, and is open to collateral attack, what do you end up with next? Multiple monuments being put in the ground because. Uh, any survey, any surveyor before you, the current surveyor going out there today, December 28, 2020, any surveyor who has previously set a monument at that center quarter is merely a first surveyor. And if I deem that that first, any of those monuments do, are not a true representation of uh, proper procedure, then I can drive in a pin of my own. And that's what we call a pincushion corner. That's how they happen. That, the, the pincushion corner is probably going to be the death of surveying as we know it because people are eventually going to get tired of surveyors putting monuments in the ground and telling people in essence they need to move their fences um, and here it is uh, Robillard Wilson and Curtis Brown's name is still on the book even though he passed away I believe back in the uh, 19, late 1970s early 1980s so anyway there it is, first surveyor concept. Now, here's the problem with it. Let's go to federal law. So, what, so it's, it, it might not be, but it's very, that first surveyor concept is, uh, is, uh, very conducive to setting new monuments. All right. So the BLM manual does not support the first surveyor concept. And what is the BLM manual? It's written by the Bureau of Land Management, uh, part of the Department of the Interior, like the IRS. The BLM is the official interpretation interpreter of um, a federal land law, and here's what the manual sets. Uh, and I'm quoting from the uh, 73 manual with uh, 2009 manual um, re uh, counter references. Uh, by law, this is um, Section 3-4. 
and it's also Section 3-4 in the 2009 manual. I'll just quote from the 2009. Uh, by law, the corners marked in the public mm-hmm. minister shall be established as the proper corners of the sections or the subdivisions of the sections which they were intended to designate. And two, the boundaries actually run and marked shall be and remain the proper boundary lines of the sections or subdivisions they were intended. 17 of those corners and most of the subdivision lines for those 16 lots were never actually run uh, on the ground by the General Land Office or the BLM. So, But boundary lines actually run and marked shall be and remain the proper boundary lines. The original corner must stand as the true corners where they were intended. Uh, they were intended to represent, even though not exactly where professional care might have placed them. This is all coming out of the uh, chapter three of the 2009 manual. The local surveyor is employed as an expert to identify lands that have passed into private ownership. This may be a simple or most complex problem, depending largely upon the condition of the original monuments, affected principally by the lapse of time. The Bureau of Land Management assumes no control or direction over the actions of local surveyors. In this capacity, local surveyors performing one minute to go. I'm going to try to wrap up here. Uh, in this capacity, local surveyors performing a function contemplated by law doing the subdivision of the sections. Sections are not subdivided in the field by the BLM. They are protracted upon official plat. Their positions are fixed on the plat by protraction, but their positions are fixed on the ground by the survey process of running and marking the lines and setting the monuments. A decision That's what the local surveyor does. Decisions set aside a legal subdivision corners must be supported by beyond mere reasonable, uh, mere demonstration of technical error. Sorry for rushing this, folks. I didn't really uh, wrap this up the way I wanted to, but uh, our time is up. And um, about that time, our time is up, and uh, we'll we'll be back next week. Uh, And have a very uh, happy new year. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.